Praise God. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to, we're going to begin in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 45, and then we're going to move into the book of Genesis. And I want to look at a story there and just share a little bit from that story this morning. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 45, New King James Version, it says, And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Can we read that all together? Look at the screen, lift up your eyes. Let's all say that together. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Hallelujah. Father, as we come to your word this morning, I thank you that you and your word are one. That you said heaven and earth would pass away, but you said your word would never, ever, ever, ever pass away. And this morning as we come, we open up our hearts and we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe afresh upon every life right now. Even, Lord, as your word comes, I thank you for the spirit of faith that rises in the hearts of men and women in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. I'm here to tell you this morning, family, that only two people were ever born without a sinful nature. The first Adam, who is known as Adam, and the last Adam, who is Jesus Christ, were the only two people that were ever born without a sinful nature. And we know that one of them was born with a belly button, and the other one wasn't born without a belly button, right? So we know that Adam was shaped from the ground and he didn't have a belly button, but we know that Jesus came from out of the womb of Mary and he obviously must have had a belly button. But the Bible says in Genesis 1 and 27, so God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right? So male and female are both, were both created in the image of God. Then verse 28 says, then God blessed them. God what? God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, how many of you can see here that before Adam ever did a single thing, God had already blessed him? How many of you can see that? Before Adam said anything, before he ever did anything, before he ever baked a cake or prepared a meal or did anything of that nature, God said, I will bless you. Hallelujah. You are blessed, Adam. And contained in that blessing is the God-given ability to be fruitful. Hallelujah. He said, I'm going to bless you. And he said, and in that blessing is the ability to be fruitful. Look at your neighbor and tell them, fruitful. If you look at John 15, and we've seen this before, Jesus actually teaches us that we ought to go from fruit to more fruit and to much fruit. As a matter of fact, in verse 8, it says that the Father is glorified when we produce much fruit in our lives. And actually, it says that this is what really distinguishes us as being a true disciple of Jesus when we bear fruit. Lift your hands and say fruit, more fruit, much fruit. 
Look at somebody and tell them it's okay. It's okay to bear fruit. Look at somebody else and tell them God wants you to be fruitful. Now say this after me. I'm moving forward in fruit to more fruit until there is much fruit in my life. So the blessing is first of all about the ability to bear fruit. And then he says, not only fruitful, but he says, I want you to multiply. In the blessing is the ability to multiply. It is this ability to reproduce what God has placed on the inside of you, that we have the power to reproduce the God nature. We can reproduce faith in others. We can reproduce Jesus in others. How many of you know that we are in the disciple-making business? We can reproduce an I-can-do-all-things attitude in others. We can reproduce a hungering and a thirsting for God and His Word and His presence in others. We can reproduce righteousness living a holy life, set apart, sanctified in others. We ought to be reproducing the anointing in others. Can you say amen? amen? God wants us to multiply what we already possess. You cannot multiply what you do not have. Can I say that again? You cannot multiply what you do not have. That's why fruit comes before multiply. And it's the reason why Jesus emphasized fruit. And he said, listen, if you have no fruit, I'm going to chop you down and throw you into the fire. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, you better hurry up and bear fruit. And then when you have fruit, go to more fruit. And when you have more fruit, go to much fruit. Bump your neighbor again and say, neighbor, I think God's talking to you this morning. Hallelujah. How will you multiply the ability to overcome if you've never overcome some things in your life? Hmm? How will you multiply joy in your life if you don't know how to source that joy and receive that joy even when everything round about you is depressing and discouraging? Can I get an amen? How will you multiply the love for God if it's a difficult thing for you to spend time in His presence and in His Word? How will you multiply being led by the Spirit if you cannot hear and discern His voice and be led by the Spirit of God Himself? Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, you cannot multiply what you do not possess. I want to ask you a question this morning, live streaming, in the overflow, up in the balcony and here this morning. What is it that you possess? What is it that you possess? Hallelujah. Sometimes we have to be truthful with ourselves. Sometimes we have the tendency to be like Adam and Eve, and then we just want to blame everybody and everything round about us, and we blame the government, and we blame the doctor, and we blame the, the, the next-door neighbor, and we blame the dog, and we blame the cat, but sometimes we just have to have a, an honest look on the inside of us and ask ourselves, what is it that we possess? If you possess doubt and unbelief, what is it that you will multiply in others? doubt and unbelief. If you are critical on the inside of you and always finding fault, then guess what? Wherever you go, that is what you are going to reproduce. Always finding fault. Always this too long, too short, too high, too tall, too loud, too soft, too bright, too dark, whatever it is. 
What is it that you possess this morning? Hallelujah. How many of you know that Jesus came to give us life? And he said, I want you to have life and life more abundantly. And he wants you to impart this life to others. If you've got faith and you know how to work your faith, then you can multiply that faith and you can reproduce that faith in your children and in others at work and in your work environment. Can you say amen? If you possess something that has life, like faithfulness and a consistency in God, then I can reproduce that in the lives of others. Hallelujah. If I am overflowing with joy and the blessing, then guess what? I can reproduce that in others. I cannot reproduce what I do not possess. I cannot multiply what I do not have. And what I do have, if it's a negative thing, God help you if you are multiplying that. We ought to be multiplying the life of God. We ought to, we ought to be multiplying what brings life, what brings blessing, what brings healing, what brings restoration. We're not supposed to be multiplying criticism. We're not supposed to be multiplying negativity and hurt and words that will maim and cripple and all kinds of stuff. We're supposed to be multiplying the life of God. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, you cannot multiply what you do not possess. And in that blessing, he said, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth and subdue it. How many of you know that subdue just simply means that you carry an atmosphere on the inside of you that is greater than the atmosphere around about you. That's why he said, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. That's what subdue means. It means you're not afraid to go on this part of town or that part of town. Why? Because you carry an atmosphere on the inside of you. You carry a presence of God on the inside of you that is greater than the presence of demons, that the presence of whatever else is out there. Hallelujah. That's what subdue actually means. And then he says, not only to subdue and fill the earth, he said, but I want you to have the ability to have dominion. Dominion means you do not dominate people. It doesn't mean that you control and manipulate people. Dominion means that you have the ability to prevail and overcome irrespective of what circumstance and what adversity you are facing. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, you cannot multiply what you do not possess. So I've read that just as by way of an, of an introduction. How many of you can see just by verse 27 and 28 that God wants you to increase? He wants you to prosper, and He wants you to flourish. Is there anybody that says amen? amen. Three of you that agree with me. Is there anybody that says amen, amen. and amen? amen? Amen. Lift your hands and say, by reading Genesis 1 and 28, I have come to the conclusion that God wants me to prosper. He wants me to increase, and He wants me to flourish. See, I get you to say that because you have to settle that in your hearts. You have to, there has to be a settling in your hearts that God wants you to prosper, that He wants you to flourish, that He wants you to move in that place of overflow. How on earth are you supposed to be a blessing if there's nothing that you have that you can give to others? 
How are you supposed to be a blessing if you cannot reproduce what God already placed on the inside of you? Everything was provided right here in Genesis 1 and 28. Everything that was needed was provided, given to Adam, and Adam had the ability to reproduce that in the garden. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, I keep telling you, you cannot reproduce what you do not have. And so I'm saying all of that to say this, that absolutely, Adam did absolutely nothing. And in doing absolutely nothing, he was blessed. How many of you can see the heart of the Father towards mankind? I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to look at that and say, my goodness, this is the heart of God. We haven't, God hasn't asked us to do anything. He didn't ask us to pick up a brick, move the brick from here to there. When the brick is there, I'm going to bless you. He creates Adam and says, he looks at Adam, and the first words that come out of God's mouth towards Adam, I will bless you. Hallelujah. Bump your neighbor and tell them, God wants you to be blessed. And then the Bible says that God began to give Adam certain instructions. And in Genesis, we see there in Genesis 2, verse 15. Let's look at that together. Genesis 2 and 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. How many of you know the rest of the story? Amen. We know that Adam disobeyed God. And as a result of that, he was separated from God. And then in Genesis 3 and 17, I want us to read. Then to Adam, God said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall eat of it. Now listen. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Now, I want you to see a family of God that the transgression of Adam resulted in a curse entering the garden. But because God had already blessed Adam, he could not curse Adam. He had to therefore curse the ground Instead, why? Because God cannot curse what he has already blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. If God has blessed something, then nobody can curse that thing. And so because he had already blessed Adam, and Adam, out of his transgression, sin came in, the curse came in, God had no choice but to curse the ground. It shows us once again just how much God wants us to live with the blessing. But we see right there that a curse was put into motion. And today, the effects of the curse are evident. All you have to do is just look all around you. From the moment that you are born, the process of death is initiated in you, and we begin to age. What was that as a result of? It was as a result of sin. If you read Romans chapter 8, verse 19, 
Romans 8 and 19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. How so? Because of the sin. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Hallelujah. So the whole of creation is groaning because of what Adam did way back there. A curse came into play. But how many of you know that this curse, that curse that Jesus or that God is talking about, is, was we were able to overcome it through the cross of the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. Now, I want you to look at Genesis 25, 28. We're going to look at one verse there, Genesis 25, 28. And then we're going to move to Genesis chapter 27. And hopefully, I'll, uh, I know I should be winding down, but I'm only just starting. But anyways... Genesis 25, 28. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. I want you just to look at that one verse again. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Isn't quite amazing? Isaac loved Esau because of what Esau could do for him. But Rebekah just simply loved Jacob. You know, that is the love of God for you and I. God doesn't love us because we came to church this morning. God doesn't love you because you took a bath and you put some aftershave on and, and, and you, you're a wonderful husband. And, and God doesn't love you because as a wife, you baked a cake for your husband and you cleaned the house and you did all the washing. Can I tell you this morning, God loves you just because He simply loves you. That is the unconditional love that the Father has for you. Even before you woke up this morning, God's love was directed towards you. Even before you ever uttered a word this morning, God's love was directed towards you. He loves you unconditionally, not because of what you can do. The Old Testament, when you look at the Old Testament, is really based on what you could do for God. And when you could do something for God, then God would do something for you. But the New Testament is really based on our believing God. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So when you read the Old Testament it was a codified form of service. There was rituals and ceremonies and all kinds of stuff that they had to do. And everything that they did, can I say, led up to this one-time event, which was on the Day of Atonement, when the high priest, not any priest, but the priest would go beyond the veil and into the Holy of Holies, the third compartment of the Tabernacle of Moses. And there in that compartment, he would speak to God face to face. 
But thank God when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that veil, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. Signifying what? Signifying that we don't have to wait for a day of atonement to come. We don't have to wait for a blue moon or a red moon or a pink moon. We don't have to fly to some geographical location and get our coordinates, GPS. We don't have to be facing north, south, east, or west. But we can be wherever we are, any time of the day, any place that you might find yourself, any day of the week, any month of the year. And you can come before the presence of God. If you have the faith to believe, you can come as you are and God will find you and you will find God. And there in that place, you will speak face to face with God. Can I get an amen in this place? I know that my time is winding up. I wanted to talk really about the story about Isaac, about his two sons, Esau and Jacob. But I'm not going to have time to get into that right now. Suffice it to say this morning that the Old Testament is based on what we could do for God. The New Testament is based on the finished work of the cross. That's the reason why in the Old Testament there was always blood that had to be shed. Every time when they got up in the morning, there was a continual reminder about their sins because of the transgression that came in, because of the curse that came in when Adam transgressed. And every day, the priests had to shed blood. There was slaughter. They, I mean, you talk about a blood affair. You talk about a butcher. You talk about there just being blood. Uh, they, their feet were caked in blood. Their hands were caked in blood. The edge of their robes were dipped in blood. And every day, there was a continual reminder that blood had to be shed. Why? Because the judgment was greater than the sacrifice. The judgment was greater than the sacrifice. And the blood of an animal, all it could do was just simply cover the sin. It could never remove the sin. But the judgment always was greater than the sacrifice. And so the next day, they would wake up to be reminded the judgment is greater than the sacrifice. And so more blood had to be shed until the end of that day. And then only the same thing to be repeated the next day. But you remember when Jesus hung on a cross, the Bible says that he who knew no sin was made to know your and my sin. All of the sins of humanity were placed on Jesus. And in that moment of time, God the Father separated himself from the Father because, from the Son because he is a holy God. And the holiness of God deemed it necessary that the sin of mankind be judged. But because of his amazing love for us, God didn't judge you and I. He could have, and maybe he should have. But instead, he placed that wrath and that judgment and that anger upon Jesus. And Jesus felt that separation because in that moment in time, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All of the sins of humanity were placed on Jesus. And he who knew no sin became our sin, took on our sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But Jesus didn't die right there and then. The Bible says that only when he uttered the words, it is finished, 
that he breathed is lost. And suddenly the earth was covered in darkness and there was a quaking and a trembling and a rumbling. Why? Because it was the first time in history that now the sacrifice was greater than the judgment. Hallelujah. And that one death of Jesus paid for all the sins of humanity. Can you say amen? With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. See, the Bible says Isaac loved Esau because, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Full stop. That's what I, where I want to end with you this morning. I don't care who you are, where you're from. I don't even know your background. I don't, I don't even know what your progeny is. I don't even know what your lineage is. I don't even know who your parents are or grandparents. All I'm interested in is in telling you this morning that simply God loves you. He doesn't love you because, because, because you did this, because you did that, because you did this. He just simply loves you. The one thing and only thing that will stop you from coming to God is our sins. When God came into the garden looking for Adam, the Bible says in the cool of the day, in the early morning, it's obvious that Adam had an intimate, tight relationship with God. And out of that intimacy came everything else. Out of, out of that relationship, everything else thrived. Everything else flourished. If, you, if your relationship with God is at, is, is at six and sevens, let me tell you, man, Nothing will flourish. Everything will be at sixes and sevens. The thing to do is to, is to first put right with God. You have to first put right with God. God was so into Adam that even when Adam sinned, God still came looking for him. Where are you, Adam? I know what you did. I'm God. I know everything. I'm everywhere all at the same time. I know what you did. I know what you said. I know what you thought, but I'm still coming to look for you. That is the heart of God for humanity. But sin, let me tell you what it does. It, it gets us all condemned. It gets us all guilty. And then it lies to us, telling us that we will never, ever get up to the standard of God. That we will never find acceptance with God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The truth is that there is nothing that you can do that will qualify you to be accepted by God. What qualifies me, preacher? The cross. And that's the reason why almost like when Isaac was trying to pronounce, he was old and the Bible says he couldn't see. And he was old and he wanted to pronounce a blessing on Esau, the firstborn, because rightly so, the firstborn was the one who was to get the blessing. But Jacob comes. And Jacob is the one who is disqualified. And we were disqualified because of our sin. But Isaac is blind. And even though he hears the voice of Jacob, but he smells Esau and he feels Esau. Let me tell you, when God looks at you, it's almost like there's a blindness that comes upon God. What do you mean, Pastor? Because he sees us through the blood. Jesus, when he ascended on high, went into the holy of holies of God. And with his own blood, he put his own blood upon the mercy seat of heaven. 
That's why when God looks at you, He's almost like an Isaac who's blind. He doesn't see the, the sin. Does He know about it? Of course He does. Does He approve of it? Of course He doesn't. But He sees you through the finished work of the cross. He says, I hear the voice of John, but I see Jesus. I smell the sacrifice of my son. I see the blood, and the blood paid it all. So I don't see the failure. I don't see the shortcoming. I know there is the sin. I know there is the separation. I'm looking for you in the cool of the day. I'm looking for you today, and I see you through the finished work of the cross. That's why His love for us is unconditional. Man, His love for you is unconditional. The point I'm trying to make is you can come as you are to God today. You can come with your sin. In fact, it's only a sinner that needs a Savior. If you don't know that you're a sinner, then why would you need a Savior? But today, the Holy Spirit does convict you. There's a conviction, not a condemnation, not a, a remorse or feeling sorry for yourself, but a conviction of the holiness of God, the love of God, and a conviction that says, you know what? I did mess up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Only a sinner is in need of a Savior. And there is a loving, risen Savior here today to accept you and take you as you are with every head bowed, every eye closed right now. In the overflow, up in the balcony, down below here, whether you're watching by way of live stream, do not end this broadcast or this time together without putting right with God if you are not right with God. If you are at sixes and sevens and you know there are things today in my life, I'm not serving God as I should. Pastor, things have happened. I'm not too proud of them. But I hear you. Isaac loved Esau because... But Rebecca just simply loved Jacob. God simply just loves me. Wow, that's incredible right there. You say, Pastor, my life's not right. I'm away from God. Would you pray for me? I'll do that. I'll do that. I gladly would do that. I'm going to count to three. Those of you in the overflow, up in the balcony, down here, if you want me to pray for you, I'll do that right now. Say, uh, my life's not right. I just need you to pray for me this morning that Jesus would come, that Jesus would forgive me, that he would accept me. Would you pray for me? I'll do that. Ready? Here we go. One, two. Everybody just keep praying right now. Three. Lift your hand up high. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Lift your hand up high. You say, here's my hand. I'm coming as I am, Pastor. Here's my hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Lift your hand right now. Lift your hand up high. Wherever you are, wherever you are, up in the overflow, up in the balcony, if you're there up there, just lift your hand right now. You're saying, God, you're dealing with me. You're speaking to me. Just pop your hand up and I'll pray with you wherever you are, wherever you are. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up to our feet this morning. All over this place, stand up to our feet. Those of you that had your hands uplifted, I'm going to ask you right now as we sing this song just to get up out of your seats, come down to the front just so that I can pray for you. This is not to embarrass you, not to shame you. 
There are others that need to come. So just come right now. Just come. That's right. Come. Is there anybody else? God bless you. Somebody else coming? Come on. Come on, let's rejoice this morning. Come on, let's rejoice. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness. Hallelujah. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else before we close? Maybe you're in the overflow area. God bless you. Come on. Let's respond. Come on. Come on. Is there anybody else? Hallelujah. Those of you sitting at home, watching by way of live stream, get ready. We're going to pray this prayer. If you've never prayed this prayer, or maybe you'd like to rededicate your life back to God. All right, those watching in the overflow, those in the front, would you help them pray? They say after me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. Just as I am with all of my faults, all of my failures, and all of my sin, and I ask you for forgiveness. I repent this morning. Thank you for your blood that cleanses me and washes me. I receive eternal life and the forgiveness of all of my sins. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord.